Welcome back to Sci-Fi with Jesse Mercury. This week is the continuation of our last episode where Audrey and I are talking about Star Trek The Next Generation Season 2. She just watched Season 2 for the first time, and I have seen it so, so, so many times. So it's fun to get our different points of view. We're hanging out in my apartment, we're drinking some tea, and we're, we're talking about Star Trek. You jealous? You should be. Here we go. underneath that catches the water That's crazy. so yeah i'm like you know like traditional chinese tea brewing you rinse the leaves to open them up a little bit oh my god, oh my god that smells good smell that and you can smell them after you rinse them it smells a uh, malty i like it yeah okay so the next episode we're only on episode four. Oh my god <laughs> we need to get it together uh this is called <laughs> the outrageous Okona. Description on Memory Alpha, the Enterprise crew rescues a roguish freighter captain whose ship is malfunctioning, but his presence drags them into an interplanetary feud. This Audrey guy Gell. was super hot. Really? <laughs> <laughs> super hot. Damn, girl. What's up? Hit me up. Um, I, don't, I don't remember much other than that. <laughs> what happens in the episode? Um, this is not... I don't know. He's like... Sort of like a Han Solo type charmer, right? That's I think that's why I liked him. He had this cool like, yeah, charismatic rogue. The thing actor going on. was up for Riker. The guy who plays Akona was up for Riker, and obviously did not get the part. And this was sort of his consolation prize. Terry Hatcher makes a appearance in this episode as the transporter officer, who hmm. gets into a tryst with Akona. He, he's you know, he's one of those guys. He's right, basically right, like right. he's like Sam from Cheers. Only Never in space. Well, you like cheers. Um, I want to now that I've seen all of Frasier. Yeah. Anyway. He's kind of like in between these uh, these different like factions of these planets and he's kind of in the middle somehow. And So there's like he, this Firefly thing going on in that episode, right? Where he's like kind of running away from the law on yeah. his freighter. Yeah. yeah. And he ends up – I believe he ends up having to marry – someone at the end to stop the feud i don't know why don't i remember any of this well it's not that memorable i <laughs> episodes like episodes like this are not my favorite where there's all of these like people on different planets that all look human but they kind of dress um, weird they, well they dress like uh like pre our time you know and this is supposed to be in the future so Fashion has always recycled itself. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Or or they, they dress like in a way that just seems so like schmaltzy. I don't know. What Something, the hell is schmaltzy? I don't know. I'm is having that, a hard like, time a weird, talking like, about this episode. Thing? Like, the, the other thing that happens in this episode that's very memorable is Data trying to do stand up comedy. <laughs> 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 oh, 
So let's talk about that instead because it's way better. Oh, it was just really silly, right? It was just, yeah, and yeah. Joe Piscopo guest starred. What? Joe Piscopo was the comedian that Data talks to on the holodeck. The holographic comedian who's trying to help him be right. funny. Right. Oh, my God. I'd forgotten all about that. God, I got to yeah. go back and watch that. This is why we're using Memory Alpha because yeah. it's helping tr- trigger memories of B stories that oh I would otherwise gosh. forget. Yeah. Um, but the the best episode, the best part of this episode is at the very end where uh, Data's trying to understand humor. You know, again, like carrying that arc through the season of Data trying to get a grip on his humanity. Uh, he tells a joke on the bridge at the end that everyone laughs at accidentally. Yeah. Um, but showing that he learned nothing, that yeah, he really he doesn't just understand like humor he's like, at all. Why the, why the shit was that funny? Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's do the next one, episode yeah. five. And if anyone has anything to say about these these uh, episodes that we're skipping over, please feel free to leave a comment about it and let us know, and we'll talk about it. Yeah, you know, because because we want to hear what you think. Sometimes I just don't have that much to say about certain episodes, but you tell me why it has merit. <laughs> yeah, that'd be great, actually. Like, the, yeah. <laughs> first, the first two episodes of the podcast, when I listened back, we skipped a couple episodes. Yeah, we ended up skipping some stuff, and I'm sure some of you guys give a shit. So I like, felt bad about yeah. it later. I was like, oh, man. Like, we, I mean, we, we were getting pretty tipsy, and yeah. we're just like, oh, fuck this episode. It started and it. early for me. I'm, yeah. I'm having another swig of this whiskey right now. <laughs> you do it. Yeah. Uh, oh, and that reminds me, we skipped an episode because you hadn't seen it yet, and we watched it together. It was the one where they're drilling in the planet. Um, they're trying to terraform a planet, and they discover that there's these life forms that are living oh my God. like Ooh. on the crust of the planet. Oh, this um, whiskey. Oh, my God. Uh, that was a good episode. I went yeah, back and watched it. What was that one it. called? You watched it with me. You watched it right here. Okay. I made you watch so it. I still went back and watched yeah. it. <laughs> I didn't lie. <laughs> yeah, and we really, we really enjoyed it. It was good. It was really good. I must have just like, I know that for, for the first and second season, I kept getting high and watching some of these episodes and not like remembering them, Yeah. which I'm going to have to stop doing if I want to be a good guest. Cause like <laughs> no, it doesn't matter. No, do it. I mean, I just want your impressions as a newbie to the show, yeah. as an adult watching for the first time, because mm-hmm. I... My feelings about the show are all wrapped up in growing up because mm-hmm. I watched it as long as I can remember. It's very nostalgic for you. Yeah. Um, and I've been doing some thought about how many times have I seen some of these episodes because I think I said something about that at the end of episode two of the podcast. But, I mean, there's episodes of the show that I have probably seen 20 times, you know? Like, there's episodes that that I've just watched over and over and over. And I, I tried to count because I know I've seen them all on DVD or on Netflix several times each. Um, but then think about being a kid and like when it comes on the TV, like how many times have I seen it? I just don't know. It could be, it could be 20, 30 times. You need a hypnosis. Uh, uh, you need to be hypnotized. A hypnosist. You, you need a hypnosisist. You need to be hypnotized. Um, yeah, I don't oh know my what God. I'm saying. Shut up. Leave me Episode alone. five. <laughs> Loud as a whisper. This is another really good episode. There's some really solid stuff in season two. Uh, this is the one where they need to talk to this negotiator. Um, his name is uh, Riva, but he is deaf and he has a choir oh, of Oh, those people, three people. Three people yeah. that read his mind and speak for him and they all speak for a different part of his emotions. Right. And he sort of develops a relationship with Troy and then his choir is killed at a negotiation and he has to learn to communicate without them. Right. Uh, it's it's a really emotionally like heavy, intense episode. I remember episode. that, yeah. And then... Um... 
Yeah, it's like really, really rocky with this other race that they're trying to negotiate with. Yeah. And like they have to convince them to listen a couple times. The actor who plays Riva is actually deaf and is signing for real when he uses sign language in the oh, show. It's cool. real. I took uh, ASL with my friend Jordan, American Sign Language, for uh, a couple of years after we graduated college just, just for shits and giggles. Yeah. And it's a good thing this to episode know. came up because it's kind of well known among the, the deaf community for having this deaf actor. That's awesome. And. So I, I loved it as a kid. Then I learned sign, a little bit of sign language. Of course, I've forgotten all sign language because I'm terrible with languages. But, but then watched it again as an adult. And uh, it's, I like it more and more as I get older. I really loved that episode. I did. Yeah. I liked it's, it a lot. It's heavy. It's, it's hard to, you know, because he's someone who has what our society would consider to be a disability. But he's turned it into this beautiful form of expression with these other three right. people. But then they are, you know, disintegrated. And then he has to start from scratch. And then he's truly disabled at that point. Yeah. Well, he feels disabled. Or is he, though? That's, I think that's, that's the question. The point. Yes, yeah, that like... is the point, is that he really, <laughs> he really isn't if he learns how to work with it. So it's a very inspiring yeah, episode. No, but it's, it's really, I loved it. I thought it was lovely. And um, who does he ever, is it with Troy? His relationship? Yeah. 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 And I love how Troy always gets into these little affairs with these people who are just very, like, emotionally grounded people. I don't know how yeah. else to describe it. She's always, like, all about it. <laughs> Can you imagine, like, your job is to be on a spaceship, you go from place to place, and you just, like, if you meet a hot delegate from another planet, you try to try to bone them. You know, I mean, that's what these people do. That's, like... My dream. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Just want to bone the stars. Wow. <laughs> That's hilarious. Oh, my gosh. It sounds awesome. Uh, if it looked like Troy, nothing would stop me. She doesn't bone enough. <laughs> she really doesn't. Who does? Besides Riker, I mean, who does? Riker's always boning. Yeah. yeah. Uh, episode six is the schizoid man. This is the one where, uh, there's this, well, let's read the, the synopsis. Yeah, read it. An away team discovers the dying Dr. Ira Graves, who claims to be Data's grandfather. So Dr. Graves is this person who kind of pioneered some of the technology that ended up in Data. Um, and as he's dying, he transfers his consciousness into Data. So then Data's walking around with this other person's consciousness inside of him. Uh, and, you know, it's kind of obvious that there's something wrong with Data and he becomes a little bit violent. And it, maybe the transfer didn't go perfectly and his, he's kind of lost right. his mind a little bit. Right. Um, it's an interesting episode. Not on my favorites list. Not I, I, bad for any particular reason. Something I really like about it is that uh, the Vulcan on the away team in the beginning... Uh, let me see if I can find her name. Oh, yeah, she's super hot. Um... Oh, okay. So uh, it's Dr. Selar, and she's played by Susie Plaxon. Susie Plaxon. She will go on to be Worf's lady. Uh, it's the oh, same actress. Oh, what? I yeah. didn't know that. That's cool. And she also plays... Um, Kalar, I think, is her name. And she also plays an Andorian on Enterprise. Uh, I met her at one of the Star Trek conventions that I've been to. Uh, and I just, I really like her on Star Trek. She's one of those actresses that just does an yeah, awesome job whenever she shows up. I really look, like her as Worf's old lady. Yeah, I really liked her as Sealar in this episode. I was bummed that that character didn't come back. Right. Uh, 
this episode has some interesting moments, you know, good stuff. Moving on. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I I just didn't really I didn't learn anything, so. Yeah. <laughs> but again, you know, examining Data's humanity. He's kind of like trying to examine his relationship with this man claiming to be his grandfather and you can tell that he has some curiosity He's in like, that. He got some weird con- conflicts and yeah. conflict going yeah, on. Yeah, totally. Next episode is Unnatural Selection. This is the one where there's this weird aging virus that causes uh, Dr. Pulaski to turn into an old lady. Right, right. I remember that. Well, Tell us more about it. They're doing these experiments on these kids to try to make them, like, better humans or something. Which, now that I'm thinking, that can't be right because there's the whole eugenics laws in this universe. Right. Um, but in, in any case, she's getting older by the minute and she's going to die, you know, because she's getting too old too fast and Picard has to save her. And it, it sort of helps to integrate her into the crew, show that how much Captain Picard really cares about her because they right. have a sort of combative relationship. Right, right. And also I feel like, you know, just in general in this in this season, like we're having trouble really getting to know her. I agree. Yeah. It's a big sci-fi idea so, too. Like the idea that you make a mistake with your genetic... Uh, testing on someone and you accidentally release this virus that ages people super fast yeah uh and that's scary to me i mean growing older is scary to me like losing my hair is horrifying that 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 is the thing that i just don't want to happen and it's it's just it's stunting my my growth as an adult (laughs) i'm so scared of it yeah I'm like refusing. I've got the like this weird like Peter Pan thing going on right now where I'm just like gonna continue living like I'm in my early twenties as long as I can get away with it and yeah. see what happens. Um but uh This show really makes me face my fears. Yeah. I don't always like that. <laughs> yeah, it's difficult. I mean it's really difficult to do sometimes, but um but yeah, you do get some good growth with Pulaski in this episode, and I feel like it might have helped people start, you know, warming up to her a little bit. I don't know what it was like watching this show when it was out, but I know it helped me kind of get to know her a little bit more. Because when she, when she first, uh, when they first introduced her, there was very little explanation. Right. So, <laughs> so they were just like, "Here's this new doctor," and I was like, "The fuck? Who is this? Like, yeah. what happened to Crusher?" And like, they didn't really get into it until like a few episodes in. I feel like they they mentioned it in that episode later, really? later really? on that, okay. that Doctor Crusher had gone to Starfleet Medical, okay, and taken over Starfleet Medical. But then when she comes back, they're like, "Well, you're done with your year at Starfleet Medical, like it was planned all yeah. along." <laughs> um, but I, I don't know. It, it is one of those episodes that made me – because at first I didn't know what to think about her at all. But uh, I ended up liking her yeah. quite a bit. Um, and this is one of the episodes that did it, I think, just because you get to know her a little bit. And it's just like any new relationship in real life. Like you just have to get to know the person. You know? Yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> uh, next episode is another great one. Man, this is really making me – reminding me how much I like a lot of season two. Right. We'll get into the bad part of season two, which is this – towards the last third because they had the writer's strike and it fell apart. Right. But early on in season two, it was strong. I mean, they really built on what they did in season one and I think amped up the interest of the science fiction that they were doing. Uh, But the next episode is called A Matter of Honor. This is the one where Riker is an exchange officer on the Klingon ship. That one was so cool, dude. (laughs) That one was dope. I liked it a lot. And Riker, like, fucking held his own. Yeah. Like, he was like, I'm not scared of anything. Like, I'm just going to do these things that I should do as a Klingon. And, like, people will just – he, like, knew exactly how to gain their respect. Yeah. I feel like – 
And it's, yeah. it's actually a really big episode as far as, like, Star Trek lore is concerned. Yeah. Because we've known the Klingons since the original series in the 60s when they looked more like humans. You know, they didn't have the, the forehead ridges because they didn't have the makeup technology back right. then. Uh, but they'd always been the adversary on the original series and in the movies. They were adversaries in several of the movies. Uh, this episode really... Uh, for lack of a better word, humanized the Klingons. That's what I was going to say. Like, um, with with Riker being able to integrate himself, I mean, I thought he had a pretty easy time integrating himself, like, because he's Riker and he has a, this whole honor, co- honor code that actually yeah. really parallels the Klingon honor code in a lot of ways. It's just, uh, it just seems a little bit different because it's so humanoid, you know? Like, yeah. I don't know how else to describe it, but I just mean, like, it really just kind of makes you realize that, like, uh, Klingon, you know, culture isn't necessarily that different from our own. It's just a little more abrasive, you know? Yeah, and they show Klingons, like, eating together and having fun together. Right. They you see gah. them in a casual yeah. environment, which is really interesting. And Riker's, like, all about trying to eat their favorite their foods, which is, like, food. live worms. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they get into a conflict with the Enterprise – and Riker ends up in command of this Klingon ship because, yeah. you know, you if you physically beat the captain in a fight, <laughs> you're the captain. Yeah. <laughs> um, so he kind of maneuvers his way into saving the day by understanding their culture and yeah. showing respect to their culture. and While also kind of using it against them. <laughs> I wouldn't even say that because I think that he shows them that they shouldn't be enemies, right. you know, or that right. they don't have to kill each other. Right. I really like this episode and a lot. And still stay within, like, Klingon honor codes, you know? Like, yeah. Yeah. I really liked it, too. I yeah. thought it was super cool. And I just also just love seeing Riker in that environment, you know? And they... Because it really brings forth Riker's... Because I always got this sense that he has this strong sense of honor, mm-hmm. you know? Like, he always he always has, like, these outbursts where he's like, listen, damn it, I'm not leaving these people behind! You know, yeah. it's always just like, listen, damn it, I want out of here now, you know? <laughs> like, Listen, damn it, I'm going to play trombone and get a blowjob, you know? <laughs> you know, and he, he sticks to his guns, and I think that that's really highlighted when he's, you know, working with the Klingons. I, I, I don't no, I really like it. I really liked it a lot. Yeah, and it, also the fact that he gets along so well with Klingons really sets up the fact that he and Worf develop a very strong friendship. They really do after that, yeah. Yeah, because Worf sees some Klingon in Riker, mm-hmm. and they this exchange program comes back later when they Enterprise gets an exchange person from the Klingon Empire. Right. And if I'm remembering correctly, it's Kern. It's Worf's brother. right. Yeah. I remember that. Which that's I think when is a in lot of, season three. It's in season three, I believe, and that's when a lot of the weird, like, family drama with Worf, like, that whole arc starts. Yeah, and it's, oh, it's really wonderful yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah. They really ruin it in Deep Space Nine. I love Deep Space Nine, but what they did I don't with... want to hear the stuff. I don't want to, I don't okay. want to, like, I, I need to be untainted. I need to... <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, we've arrived. I need to form my own opinion. We've arrived at episode nine. The Measure of a Man. So. Yeah. So quick synopsis. This is the episode where uh, a scientist from Starfleet wants, uh, has orders to take Data with him so he can take him apart and figure out how he's put together so that he can build more androids. Data doesn't believe that the science is there from what he's read of this guy's work mm-hmm. to believe that he can be taken apart and put, ba- put back together and still retain his essence. Right. But... Which is to say his life in human and his, terms. Maybe his soul, you yeah, know? Yeah. Uh, 
so oh man, this episode is so deep. But uh, this other guy, I'm forgetting his name. Let me let me check here real quick. Um, do 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 do. Very nice. Bruce Maddox. <laughs> uh, Bruce, Commander Maddox is the guy who wants to take Data apart. And Maddox looks at Data as just a machine, like a, a brilliant, amazing machine, but he's a tool to be used by humans. Uh, and Data doesn't want to go. he has no say. Right. And yeah. Data, because he doesn't, he can't not follow orders, so he wants to resign from Starfleet, so he doesn't have to sub- subject himself. Which I thought Dope. Awesome, right? It's so, so dope. Great. He's like, then I quit. Fuck y'all. Yeah, like- <laughs> then I'm fucking out of here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but then <laughs> Maddox says, you can't quit because you are property of Starfleet. Yeah. Which is my one problem with this episode is as a child, I didn't, I never bought it that he was property of Starfleet because right. they found data on a planet, you know? Yeah. They found data on a planet and then he went to Starfleet Academy and became a Starfleet officer of his own free will. So how can Starfleet own him? That's one of the fucked up things about it. Yeah, and it, it didn't fit with my view, my idea of what this advanced society of humans was supposed to yeah, be. Yeah, but this advanced society also wants to take him apart. So it just goes yeah. to show that we're still just humans. Yeah, totally. You know? And, and like that we need to learn. This, yeah, and we need to learn. And, and that's what we did in this episode. And we will by the end of the hour. Yeah. We'll learn something. <laughs> yeah. I thought it was very much in line. And I really liked – this episode was just fantastic. Um, you know, this is another time when when, when his affair with Tasha Yar comes up, mm-hmm. you know, and I really love that. I love that they can call back something like that and, and make it count in the epi- in the series, especially because I love Tasha so much that I don't want her, like, memory to just be forgotten. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, it was wonderful. Pulaski has a lot of great stuff happening in this episode as well, you know. Um, yeah, and Riker has to be the... The he's prosecution. the judge. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he's, he's the prosecution. The prosecution and the right. judge was this woman that uh, Picard had this romantic history with. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes. Philippa. He's like, Philippa. Dinner. <laughs> um, so in the course of putting Data on trial to see if he's sentient, they uh, – because of like a conversation that Picard has with Guinan, they equate – building an army of datas to slavery where if you yeah. if you build an army of datas you're creating a subservient race and they really can't make the presumption that he isn't sentient because of the danger involved in creating a slave race of androids right. which is what they are really looking at doing and i like that they don't really they can't answer the question like the judge can't answer the question but she can say because I can't answer this, and I want to uphold the higher ideals of our society, I, can't, I cannot, in good conscience, in good conscience yeah. say that he is not alive. Right. You know. Right. Uh, Which is cool that they kind of leave it open ended for mm-hmm. you to form your own opinion. You know. I mean, they definitely um, make it seem like yes, he's alive. Yes, he's. Sentient. I think he's hella. Of course, sentient. of course, we think that yeah. as the audience, and yeah, <laughs> uh, they really kind of answer that question. Well but enough. But it's realistic to me for them to say that. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Like they can't just make these leaps and bounds like in one trial like, yeah. for the whole of society. But it's the first step. You know, but it is a first step and it's a, it's an awesome, like very profound step. And I really yeah. – I just loved that episode. Just Data's just 
it, can we just talk about what's this Brent Spiner's like acting? Oh for my a god! Minute? Oh my god! Yeah. Uh, so good. Yeah. <laughs> so good. Like I just I felt it. I yeah. believed it. Sometimes I just I'm watching something as a story that they're telling me, and I'm recognizing that people are acting out a story, and sometimes I just lose myself in a character, and this is one of those times that I yeah. just lost myself in a character. You know. That's awesome. It was really great. I had a really cool experience with this episode when they remastered it and released it on Blu-ray. They released an extended version of it that had some cut scenes. Uh, and they also played it for one night in the theaters. They did this for the first uh, three seasons. They had this like one night event where you could see a couple episodes on the big screen. And they stopped after three seasons, which was awful because I was having the best time. Uh, but I went to all three of them like down at Pacific Place. And for this season, they showed this episode... And what was the other episode they showed? I, I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, I'll probably remember when we get there. But the extended version fixed my, my other problem with this episode, which was that Jordy's not involved. And Jordy's Data's best friend. That's true. You know, yeah. I never thought about that. You would think that he would have given some kind of testimony or something. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, he's my best friend, you know? How, yeah. can you, how can you say that he's not alive when he's my best friend? And we have this relationship together. Uh, if you watch the... So does he do something in the extended? Yes. Oh, um, God. I bet that's awesome. So in the extended edition, they added a scene where Data presents Jordy with his Sherlock Holmes pipe in engineering, and they discuss life outside of Starfleet. Oh, I would love to see that. Yeah. So they, they add a little bit of that do you friendship. Have that? I don't have it, no. I want to watch it. Uh, but it... it Filled in this hole that I'd always felt was in that episode where you needed a little bit more of the friendship of, of Data and Jordy. Um, Guinan is fantastic in this episode when she... Picard feels like he's going to lose the trial uh, and Guinan kind of reminds him or points out to him that this is similar to slavery and that's when he realizes what tactic to take to win. Right. Um, he figured out the angle that he needed. Yeah, and then there's that great scene at the end where... Like, Riker had to be the prosecution, and he felt terrible about it, and he did his best, because if he doesn't do his best, he did there'll be awesome a mistrial. Yeah. Uh, and then he's, like, sad. He's, I think he's in the conference room. He's looking out the window, and Data comes in, because they're having a party, and Data wants Riker to come to the party, because, you know, he's like, Data gets to say. to keep you, like, down, man. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but Data forgives him and says, you know, I actually owe you my life, because if you hadn't done such a good job, like there would have been a mistrial and I would have had to go with Maddox anyway. Right. So you doing such a good job is is what allowed me to right. to get through this. And Riker says, I think you're a wise man, my friend, or something like that. So I love Data. Yeah. I, I just I had, he's my favorite character. I just yeah. adore him so much. This episode added so much depth to the show. Just so much depth to the characters, to all of the characters who are involved in the show. Uh, it's. I mean, These Picard. Are real stakes. Real know? stakes. Yeah, you might lose this isn't someone just you love. Something dumb like life and death. <laughs> right. This is like is is my friend and colleague. Does he have the rights that I have? Yeah. Oh, that's powerful. So and good. It fits so much in our world with the civil rights movement. We still in our society treat people like they're not the same. Right. For for a variety of reasons, and to see a show where it points out that anytime you do that is dangerous. Anytime you do that degrades our society and opens up the door to like to more adversity to, to tr you know mm. treating people uh 
in the worst way imaginable, it's really, it's just really interesting and wonderful. Great episode. Yeah. Okay, let's move on. Okay, uh, episode ten, the dolphin. <laughs> this is, this one's weird. <laughs> this one is so weird. Wesley falls in love with the new leader of a war-torn planet. Uh, this is the one where there's like the old woman and her daughter, or maybe not daughter, but someone that she's like the caretaker right. of, and they're both right. like shape changers. Okay. And Wesley falls in love. Yeah. And there's that horrible special effect where the woman changes into like a weird moth creature. Yeah. <laughs> um, I do. I, I don't have much to say about this one just because I don't care for it that much. It was silly. <laughs> yeah, it's a this very a silly monster of the week. Yeah. <laughs> episode. I, I feel like season two is so solid through Measure of a Man, and then it starts to show the cracks. Uh, I don't know when the writer strike started. I mean, definitely by the end of the season, we're in full writer strike mode where they can't get new scripts. Right. And I didn't really understand what the writer strike was as a kid reading about this. But then we went through a writer strike. Uh, do you remember that? Like Lost was in season four. I remember that. Um, all I of my favorite that shows. Because I live in Culver City. I, yeah. I grew up in Culver City, and I would drive by um, Sony Studios every day, and there'd be all these writers with these really nice signs. I just thought it was funny that their protest signs were, like, way nicer than any other protest signs that I've ever seen. <laughs> but, yeah, like, all of these writer strike signs. I worked at Victor Jr.'s. Represent? Cross from Sony? What? Um, but, yeah, like... <laughs> so ghetto. Dude, it was cool. Um, but, yeah, uh, I remember that. So that must have been around the same time. What year was this? I don't remember off the top of my head. Uh, maybe, like, 2006 or 2000. 10 or yeah yeah that sounds about right something in there yeah <laughs> uh, but i think 2006 is like all of my right. favorite shows the seasons were cut short like the office was on lost was on yeah. i think battlestar was on I, don't I can't remember for sure uh because they couldn't get new scripts because all the writers were on strike right um uh, trying to get you know off better terms for their wages or whatever Psh, whatever um no, I'm kidding. <laughs> but it's it's a really like big deal where like you can't cross the picket line right so, and the the same thing happened back when Next Generation was in season two, which I think is 1988. And by the end of the season, they actually shot an episode with no script. Like the last episode of the season. How did they do that? We'll talk about that when we get there. The shit? It's the clip show. Oh, yeah. That's not the same as yeah. shooting an episode. Well, there is stuff in that episode. There is new stuff. Yeah, there is you're new right. Stuff. It's not completely clips. Yeah. I yeah. don't watch clip episodes just as a general rule. I just don't watch them. They're dumb. Yeah, but having like been through a writer's strike, it made a lot more sense to me when I watched yeah. the season and you can see what kind of goes wrong in the season towards the end. Um, but next episode, season two, episode 11, Contagion, is another one of my favorites. Really, really great episode. This is one where uh, the Enterprise and Romulan Warbird are attacked by the same computer virus that has already destroyed one Federation starship of the same class as the Enterprise. So they bring back the Yamato, the sister ship of the Enterprise, and uh, they meet the captain of the Yamato in the beginning, uh, Captain Donald Varley. I read that. I didn't remember that. Oh, okay. And, uh, <laughs> like, uh, and his ship is just going absolutely hay haywire and explodes right in front of their eyes. With and all the people on with it? all the people on board. Jesus a ship Christ. the same size, same model as the Enterprise explodes. So then they think that there is a, a factory defect with the Enterprise 
and they're like doing all these systems checks, trying to figure out what's going on. Eventually, they realize that there is a computer virus that has gotten onto their ship from this probe from this planet that they thought was a dead planet with nothing there. It is a dead planet, but there's some technology left behind by this uh, this race, the Iconians. The Iconians had this portal system. It's like a Stargate where you can just step through it and you're on another planet. Right, and right. And at the end, towards the end of the episode, Worf, Data, and Picard are on the planet and they discover an Iconian gateway. And all of a sudden, like it's like the closet in Narnia and you can just step through and go anywhere. And that's how they eventually escape this planet that's about to explode uh, by stepping through the gateway. And then the Romulans are having the same problems with their ship. And then there's one of my favorite scenes that really stuck with me as a kid where Jordy's trying to get to the bridge to tell him to destroy this probe that's coming in. Um, but the ship is going haywire, so the turbo lift is going crazy, and he's being thrown up and down in the turbo lift. Like, he's on the ceiling <laughs> oh, of the turbo yeah. lift and on the floor. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and he just, like, roll, rolls out onto the bridge when oh, it finally God. gets there and tells him to destroy the probe, and Picard's like, welcome to the bridge, Mr. LaForge. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I was really fascinated by the idea of that Iconian gateway. And the Iconians just disappeared with, with no trace, and Picard is then... You know, it, it brings in Picard's interest with archaeology and ancient civilizations. Right. And he supposes that the Iconians stepped through this gateway and went somewhere else. Uh, I've and read a little bit of... that's why the planet is dead. Yeah, because they just left. Yeah, they just left. Uh, I read a little bit of Expanded Universe Star Trek stuff that had um, the Iconians coming back. It wasn't a very good book, but it's just a really interesting idea that there's this really advanced civilization that you can find some of their ancient technology, but it's so really powerful. Why did powerful. they leave? I don't remember. Some sort of war was going on, I think. Mm. Uh, mm. Yeah, it's a, it's a really fun like action-adventure episode. Uh, and then when Data gets damaged at the end, he has to explain to Picard how to push the buttons in the right sequence. Right. Because he's been damaged. Yeah. Yeah. That was cool. They opened up his head. Yeah. Right? I love when they open up his head. Yeah, I love that. I think they did There's open up something his head. really cool about that. Yeah. Uh, next episode is the mm, Royale. Data. Episode data, 12. Data, data. <laughs> Love of my life. Mm. Uh, episode 12 is the Royale where they go to this planet and discover like an old Earth casino, like a Vegas style casino that's just like running. And they're like in a fucking uh, limbo there, right? Yeah, and like, they can't yeah, get out. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and to visually express the fact that they're stuck in this casino, when they try to leave, they go through the the circular door. Yeah. And they just walk out one side and come right back in the other side. Yeah, and, yeah. And basically say that there was no outside, but it doesn't make any sense. Right, I right. I don't know. Who cares? It yeah. was awesome. They, it's a like, good episode. They would like try to leave, and then they were just inside again. Yeah. Yeah. They discover the bones of a... Uh, an Earth astronaut right. who, had, who got trapped. Who got trapped. Well, he, he these aliens accidentally made him crash on this planet, and then they felt bad, so they created a place for him to live because they couldn't like fix his right, ship or right. get him off or whatever. And and they were like, humans like casinos. Well, he had a book with him called The yeah. Royale. <laughs> oh, so right, right, they, right. So yeah. they, it was like a pulp B novel that he didn't even like, but they created this world for him to live in based off this novel, and he's basically stuck in what he considers to be hell. Right. <laughs> 
Trump until he dies. I know. I don't know why I'm laughing. That's horrible. But like, it it's was such awful. a cool idea, though. Yeah. <laughs> I get. I mean, it was a silly episode, but I actually it's really fun. enjoyed that one. Yeah. And Worf is like trying to beat up the walls to get out. Yeah. Uh, and they eventually. I don't know. I guess it just kind of reminded me of like um, Cabin in the Woods or something. I don't know yeah. how to describe it, but like where you're in a maddening environment yeah. that you can't leave. <laughs> Yeah, I really liked Cabin in the Woods. And the the way they figure to get out is by deciding to be some of the characters in the book who leave. They find yeah. characters who leave because Data reads the whole book by just flipping through it in a second. Yeah. And they play out this like scene that. and then the story lets them leave. It was kind of clever. Super clever. Yeah. It's, it's fun. I, I like this one a lot. I watch it from team. time to time. Uh, when Data realizes that the die are rigged, um, the dice are rigged, so when he's playing craps, he, like, uses his super strong hands to refold the dice so that they will, like, show the numbers he wants them to yeah. show so that he can win. Uh, I thought that was really cool. Yeah. I like Data so much. Uh, he's the best. Yeah. Okay, moving on. Um, episode 13, Times Squared. God, this season is great. We're still, <laughs> we're still in the good shit here. Times Squared, uh, this is the episode where... They find a shuttlecraft floating through space. They well, one of their shuttlecraft, but they already have their, that shuttlecraft in their bay. What? Oh, right. Okay. So they put it in a tractor beam. They pull it in and they find Captain Picard. Even right. though Captain Picard's already on the ship, it's like him from the future, and his mind is all muddled, and he doesn't know where yeah, he is. Yeah, he can't, and they can't. Like he's in the fucking sick bay, right? And like, like Picard, like. Our Picard, not, like, shuttle Picard is like, where are you from? What's the deal? Like, what's going on with you? And, like, the guy's barely conscious, right? Yeah, he's barely conscious. Yeah. He doesn't really know what's going on. All he knows is that he has to get off the ship. Right. And Picard, uh, it was a really cool... Yeah, you know, there's some really cool Twilight Zone episodes in this season. There I'm are. I'm going to go ahead and say it again. Like, yeah. these weird scenarios that's, like... It really reminds me of, like, the Twilight Zone in so many ways. It's really cool. Yeah. Um, and that's one of them, for sure. One of my favorite things about this episode is the idea that Picard is so disturbed by this other version of him that seems weak and feeble. Yeah, and it's, like, making him his psyche unravel. Like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's really cool. I mean, can you imagine <laughs> the pressure of being in charge of that many lives? You right. Know? And, and how much it and gets then to him. And seeing your brain deteriorating before your eyes in some future version of yourself. This is one of the only times in the whole series where you see some real doubt in Picard, you know? You see some right. real doubt that he's not going to make the right decision because... I mean, they, they find the shuttle logs, and they discover that the Enterprise has been destroyed. Right. So there was some catastrophe that's about to happen to them, and they don't know what it's going to be, but all they know is that their only answers can come from this future Picard who can barely think straight. Yeah. Really cool premise that was very revealing for Picard's character. Um, man, I don't want to say too much more about I mean, it because I, I just man, want people to go watch you it. You know, like, he's just a man, and I think that he has trouble, you know... Once you're a captain for so long and people look at you for guidance, like, you know, being faced with your own humanity can be so jarring, I'm sure. Like, yeah. you know, I don't know. That's what I got from that episode. Next is struggle there. Next is episode 14, The Icarus Factor. This is the one where, for the first time of many on the, on the C- series, Riker is offered a command of his own ship and he's trying to decide if he should take it or not. But right. his dad shows up. Right. Uh, and he and his dad have this horrible relationship. And then, I mean, all we really have to say about this episode is that he and his dad 
basically have an American Gladiators fight <laughs> where they put on the most ridiculous outfits you've ever seen right. and and hit each other with these weird like jousting sticks. Um, it was silly. not it was wild silly. about this one. Yeah. <laughs> But Worf is also. But I was happy that he decided to stay. I like the manner in which he decided to stay. Yeah. You know, I thought it was good enough. I think that offering Riker the chance to leave over and over, but him, he always has to choose to stay because he's going to still be a character on the show. You know. Right. Right. Uh, it's an it's an interesting way to show his uh, self consciousness. I think because mm-hmm. Picard is. The best captain in Starfleet, you know, at least as far as we know. I mean, the Enterprise is legendary. The Enterprise is the flagship, and yeah. he is the captain of the flagship. So he's he is the best captain in Starfleet. Right. And Riker has the opportunity to work with him and learn from him. And why Riker, would you leave? Right. Riker is <laughs> right. so cocky and so sure of himself, but when you offer to give him the reins, he backs away, over and over. Right. And I think that that humanizes his character definitely because he is super cocky. And he, you know, he's he's always got a little bit of a smug look on his face, you know? Because he just got pussy. Yeah. <laughs> God damn. Yeah. He's breathtaking, though. <laughs> uh, <sighs> you And you said last time you still find him attractive when he gets a little pudgy, right? Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's manly as fuck. You got the dad bod going mm, on. Dad bod. Don't um, get me started on dad bods. The other part of this episode that I like much better is Worf's story, where Worf wants to go through this... Klingon ritual, but he doesn't have any Klingon friends. Let's see. Meanwhile, Data, LaForge, Dr. Pulaski, Wesley, and O'Brien help Worf celebrate the anniversary of his rite of ascension. Yeah, where they he, do this whole thing. They, they set it up on the holodeck where he walks through this line of Klingons who hit him with pain sticks, uh, which was really cool. I mean, Does Klingon, it count if they're not real? The pain was real, so it counts. Yeah, no, I yeah, that's, that's exactly the kind of discussion I want to have, like... I think Worf has to make do with what he can in the society where he is the only Klingon. Right. I love that O'Brien is part of this, like, cadre of bros. And we finally start seeing O'Brien, like, yeah. doing things at this point. O'Brien is really cool. Is, becomes, like, the one transporter chief on the Enterprise by, like, season three or four. I mean, he, he becomes the transporter chief. Mm-hmm. He's been on the, on the show since episode one, yeah. played by Calm Meany. Yeah. I love Chief O'Brien. I love Chief O'Brien. He's one of my favorite characters. You named your dog after him. Yeah, Miles O'Brien. I got Miles sitting right next to me here. Yeah. Uh, My sister wanted to name him Miles for Miles Davis, and I agreed because of Miles (laughs) O'Brien. Miles O'Brien is one of the core characters on Star Trek Deep Space Nine for seven years. Yeah. But he was on Next Generation since the very first episode before that. That's cool. I I never noticed him until they really... Until this episode, really. And then they yeah. started giving him his own stories, you know, much later on. And, like, yeah. they're good stories. He gets married. He, he gets married. He has a kid. He has that episode where they're uh, with the Cardassians. Have you seen that yet? And uh, and they, like, kidnap his kid, basically. Like, no, not that one. Or they, hold, they hold his wife and his kid hostage, right? That's not the one I'm thinking about. The oh, one okay. where uh, his old captain comes back and is, like, killing Cardassians. Yes, I do remember this. And they have that moment where they're singing that old song together. Right, right. Because he's trying yeah. to convince his captain that he's on, like a, you know, that he's basically lost it. And he's right. killing these people he doesn't need to be killing. And 
that, works, though, Oh, my right? God. That yeah, episode gives me episode. chills yeah, every time. Kyle Meany is a fantastic actor. And I think that they realized at this point in season two that they had, like, a gold mine right. in him. And they started giving him more to do just to keep him around. Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah. I like his character a lot. Yeah. And then his friendship with Worf is brought up a lot on uh, Deep Space Nine. Well, not a lot, but every once in a while he'll say, remember this on the Enterprise? I don't want to hear this. He's like, remember when we did this on the Enterprise? <laughs> and Worf's like, I do remember that. <laughs> uh, so that's the Icarus Factor. Uh, episode 15. Episode 15 is among my least favorite of the whole show. It's Pen Pals. Data makes contact with a young girl from a pre-warp civilization on a planet facing imminent annihilation. The Enterprise must wrestle with the moral dilemma of violating the Prime Directive or standing by while Data's friend dies. I don't care. Uh, <laughs> I've got to be honest and say that I dislike this episode so much that I don't even remember what happens. I, I just I don't I don't I remember just not caring very much. Yeah, I don't like to I don't like to watch it. I, the idea that Data made contact with this girl on his own. That they are just, pen pals. It, it seem, didn't work. It doesn't seem it's not plausible. plausible. No. <laughs> uh, I then, felt like they were really reaching there. And then you wrestle with the idea of like the prime directive of non-interference, meaning sometimes like revealing yourself to this culture would uh, undermine their cultural progression if they could find out that there are. I mean, it would be like aliens showing up on our world right now, you know? Right. Um, and the prime directive of Starfleet is you do not interfere. You do not cause that moment of change you know right you can i think the rules are that if, if someone has achieved warp drive you can reveal yourselves because that is sort of the, the litmus test for when are you ready to meet exactly, others yeah because you can actually get off the planet to a you know feasible distance to be, like meet some other <laughs> worlds so like yeah. that's when they're like hey you can do this now, so you're kind of in the club. Like, hey, bro, we're here yeah. too. <laughs> uh, but this is the first time where they wrestle with, do we let this whole planet die? That's not the first time. And uh, I'm just like scanning through the the uh, synopsis here. LaForge and Pulaski are aghast at the prospect of sitting by and allowing a, an entire sentient race to die out. I, this This is where I have a problem with the Prime Directive is like, isn't anything better than having the whole race be destroyed? Isn't revealing yourself to them better? Yeah. Like, because their singularness their, <laughs> will be lost from the universe, as exactly. they would say, you know? Like, uh, I, I feel like damaging their way of life is still better than, like, letting them destroy themselves. <laughs> I don't know. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah. yeah. I mean, anything's better. Yeah. So I think they... Just looking at the synopsis, I think they find a way to stop the destruction of the planet, and then they erase the memory of this girl meeting data. They basically like wipe it all out. Like yeah, it didn't which happen. is another fucking like. I hate that. I hate that. <laughs> Anytime you wipe sucks. someone's memory, it's so dumb. I, it's to, just such a cheap it's, tool. It's, it's a cheap tool. It's a cop out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm on this sci-fi fandom group on Facebook, and this of happened. You are. Of course, I'm. <laughs> the same sort of thing happened on the season finale of season two of Agents of Shield. And I was furious. Yeah, I was really angry. So I I started this debate about it on Sci-Fi Fandom, and almost everyone disagreed with me. They're like, really? Yeah, they're like, yeah, I liked it as a way to wrap up this character storyline, and it really confused me because I just thought it was so stupid. Um, One other thing in this episode that I really like, 
just looking at like the pictures on Memory Alpha, they show the picture of Picard with his horse on the holodeck. Uh, <laughs> the fact that Picard is like an equestrian yeah. person is awesome. He's the best. <laughs> because his saddle becomes a major plot point in an episode later that I don't think you've seen yet. I don't think so. I've I've only I'm only in the beginning of season five. I've kind of put yeah. a, a it's halt. In season five, I think. I pu- I've kind of put a halt on on my watching because I want now that after after today's episode, we're gonna get into season three, you know, and season four, which are like so far my favorite seasons. So I yeah. want them to be like fresh in my mind. So That's a good like... idea. <laughs> and also, I yeah. made you start watching Frasier, and now you got hooked on it. I got, I finished. You finished it. it. You watched I all of it. it. I killed all of it just like last yeah. week. Um, and we can have a whole episode about that at some point. Not not sci-fi, but maybe. Yeah. I mean, Kevin Smith is covering that admirably at the moment yeah we don't need to do that actually but we should talk about it because it's amazing yeah i loved that show we will definitely talk about fraser when we talk about the episode where fraser shows up at the end and i just orgasm all over myself what you've seen it we watched it together fraser shows up where he's the captain of that other ship at the end of an episode of next generation Uh, we've seen it yeah was I drunk? Or? Probably. Okay. It's, it's you. <laughs> I don't remember this at all. Oh, this is the other episode. <laughs> okay. Episode 16, Q-Who. This is the other one they showed in the theaters. Uh, this is the introduction of uh, the Borg. Oh, this was pretty good. This was great. Yeah, this was pretty damn good. This was uh, another one where Q shows up. And, and even Q is like, dude. Right? Yeah. Well, Q wants to be a member of the crew, and Picard's like, we don't need you, we don't like you, and we don't want you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and Q's like, really? Well, check these guys out. And yeah. he snaps his fingers, and they fly across the galaxy, and they confront the Borg. Oh, which, right. Okay. Which You're can right. just start carving the ship apart. I mean, they are well beyond our ability to deal with. Yeah. You know? This brings another point, like that whole God character thing that I have. <laughs> what? So they're not, me, they're I still don't not know why it bugs you so much. I don't know why it bugs me so much either. Is that what you want to hear? It, well, just, it just does. In the context of this episode, it works so well because he points out their frailty. He points out their, their hubris and thinking that they can encounter anything in space and know how to deal with it. Um, and then he shows them something that they just can't deal with. Right. Right. I just don't... I like the Borg. I'm not saying that I don't, actually. Never mind. I take that all back. But it's, well, that it's not that you don't second, like the Borg. It's that you don't like Q. It's, not, it's that I don't like Q. Yeah. I but, think that but by the at end this of... Point, at this point, though, in this episode, I kind of started to come around on okay, Q. Okay, good. Yeah, because he is really funny, and he does, you know, he does bring up a lot of interesting points as a contrast to, like, this weird humanity, you know, thing. And weren't you totally sold on Q in the episode where he loses his powers? He's really funny. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, guidance stabs him in the hand with that. a fork. Yeah, I know yeah. I say that all the time, but I love it so but much. I love it too. And, and, but, and I just think that he's really funny. And once I start seeing him as more of a comedic character, um, I start really coming around on him. You know? Like, yeah. I like the character, but I don't necessarily like this weird, like, 
mischievous, like puck like spirit that mm. he has, you know, like he's I, very Shakespearean. Yeah. And, and, um, I never liked puck, you know, <laughs> either. So like, like, you know, it's, it just goes into like this whole weird dynamic that I'm not really that into. I, I guess I don't really have a good reason. You yeah. know, the more I, I mean, talk you know, to you about it, but like, well, there's no right or wrong answer. It's no, just there taste. Isn't. It's just as a matter of taste. Like I've never really been into that. I don't like it when people play devil's advocate for no reason. Yeah. You know, in like in my life, you know, I'm like, yeah. well, <laughs> so that's kind of part of it, too. He's I don't just know like, I'm why gonna... you hang out with me. I do that constantly. I don't know why it works with us because I do that. I do that to other people. Maybe it's maybe that's it. Maybe I play devil's advocate so much. That I don't like it when other people do it. <laughs> like, um, but uh, either way. Anyway, I, I do really like uh, start liking. Uh, I almost called him Puck. I really do start <laughs> liking Q in this episode in particular. Yeah. Um, sorry. Um, so, you know. It's a good one. He, I, I really start coming around on him a lot as a character in this one. He's yeah. funny. He's a funny guy. The Borg are also just really scary. They I mean, are f- kind of frightening. Because yeah. the Borg basically propagate themselves by stealing stealing people, people. they're body snatchers their body, they steal people and then they implant all of these like cybernetic things into yeah. them and make them one of them yeah uh and picard is becomes a borg in this one right is this no that one? doesn't happen until the season finale of season three. Oh shit yeah okay <laughs> uh, that is the cliffhanger of season right. three is that picard gets assimilated uh, they were originally going to ha- bring the Borg back for the end of season two and have that be the big confrontation where they defeat the Borg and then it's all done. But then the writer strike happens. So maybe it's a good thing the writer strike happened. Because, I think that it was better. The pacing of it oh, was better so this much way. better. Because yeah. then the, the terror of the Borg Because kind it, it of undercuts lasted. how scary they are. Yeah. yeah. So they, they didn't bring them back until the end of season three. So you don't see them again for a season and a half. Which also really adds to the universe that you don't see a character for that long. Or a species for that long, a, a, a nemesis because for that the, long, and they come back the to kick your ass. universe is so vast. Yeah. And also, Q sets in motion this series of events where the Borg are now aware of humans. So the Borg, like, change direction and start coming back towards our space. Because Q has thrown us across the galaxy to where the Borg are. Uh, and then we go back at the end of the episode. We finally convince Q. You know, Picard, like, has to say please to Q to get him to send us back so that his crew can stop being like eaten alive by these right. Borg. Uh, and then the Borg know we're there and they turn and towards why? us and start why coming. Why does Q do this? And I, it takes them a season and a half to get there, which is so cool. It's, you saying that has made me realize that Q is kind of like the Joker, or at least the Heath He's Ledger totally Joker. the Joker. Yeah. And that kind of makes me like him. Uh. <laughs> Actually, like, it, because he's just like, I'm just going to light these fires and watch them burn. That is totally his character. And, and I guess, you know, I don't know, that's crazy. I never thought about it like that. But he does it because he's bored. Yeah. He does it because he can do anything and nothing interests him anymore. So, right. so But Captain Picard is so unimpressed. He's a little fucker. Yeah. <laughs> Captain Picard's so unimpressed that it's almost like he just wants to... Make an impression on Picard. On someone who doesn't, yeah, on who doesn't who want doesn't to give, give a shit. shit. Yeah. Yeah. But oh, seeing this on the big screen in a room full of it. fans was wonderful. Seeing the measure of a man on the big screen in a room full of fans was an incredible experience. I'll bet that was cool. Yeah. yeah. Like the culmination of like a lifetime's worth of loving this show. Uh, oh, something else that's cool about this episode is that there's this Ensign, uh, Ensign Gomez who was in this episode, and I think the episode prior, who works with Jordy, and she was a really great character. I wish they'd kept her around. 
She was just like one of those background ensigns who kind of comes to the foreground for a couple episodes. Right. Uh, and they, I don't think she shows up again after this, but I really liked her. Yeah, I don't even remember her. Yeah, every time I watch through, I'm like, oh, yeah, that girl. Oh, she's gone. <laughs> uh, she had a cool dynamic with Jordy, and she also was kind of the, the surrogate for the audience in this episode where she's really talking about her terror, where she's so scared of the right. Borg and talking to Jordy about it. Um, she's us. Yeah, she's us. I like, epi- I like characters like that that reflect the fandom. All right, next episode, episode 17, Samaritan Snare. I have some weird problems with this episode. This is the one where uh, Picard and Wesley go to Earth. Picard needs to get his electronic heart worked on, which is kind of cool. That okay. he, uh, like, his heart was damaged in a fight with a Nausicaan uh, when he was in Starfleet Academy. So he has to go back to Earth to get it um, looked at. I think that's why he's going. He's got a bum ticker. He needs someone to take a look under the hood. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so he's away, and then. Riker's in charge, and they encounter this species, the Packleds, who are kind of like a gatherer species who need help with their ship. They end up kidnapping Jordy, and they won't let him go, uh, and they want Jordy to come with them because he can fix their ship. He makes things go, you know? <laughs> Damn, uh, I wish I hadn't been so high for this season. Well, the Packleds, <laughs> the Packleds are dumb, uh, and the fact that they're kind of pulling one over on our really intelligent crew doesn't it's work like for silly. me. It's silly. It does. It's, it's yeah. not believable. And they yeah. really oversell the danger. Like, Riker's like, there's nothing we can do, you know? And there's so much that they could do. I mean, they <laughs> figure it out eventually. But, uh, <laughs> but there's the one moment I like in this episode is at the end. I would end, love to see you on the crew. Like, dude, <laughs> there's so much dude. we can do. <laughs> it's like, Riker, chill out. Just settle down, dude. <laughs> yeah. So, this, you know, this is not. Uh, this is not one of my favorites. I, this, not very consequential. I think they were talking about this on the Frasier podcast. Kevin Smith and Matt Meyer were talking about how in the old days, you know, you have like 26 episodes a season and the network expects them to have about seven duds per season. Right. Because there's just not enough time and manpower to make every episode a winner. Um, this season definitely has some duds. This is one right. I would consider a dud. I do like at the end where like Picard's – well, I don't like the fact that Picard's – like surgery's going wrong because they just add all this false drama. But then they have to fly back and this one just Pulaski, felt like they were filling space. Yeah, man. they have to fly back and Pulaski's yeah. the one who can like fix Picard's heart again, trying to make Pulaski a little bit more valuable. Right. But I'm like, they're on Earth. The person I'm who like, comes to save him yeah. should be Doctor Crusher <laughs> yeah. in a cameo appearance. How awesome would that have been? That would have been dope. Yeah. yeah, I kind of almost expected that to happen. Yeah, I kind of did too. Didn't. Um, um, which was disappointing, but yeah. you know, I do like Pulaski. Like, you know. And I love Jordy. I like seeing like Jordy heavy episodes, but this one didn't really do it for me. Okay. Uh, next we're getting close now. Uh, episode 18 up the long ladder. The episode, the enterprise discovers two threatened colonies, which must cooperate to survive. Oh boy. We're really getting into the dirt now. I think this is the one where, um, where they have, like, yes, this is it. This is the one where everyone is from, like, a, an Irish village. And they're, <laughs> and they're in, like, the cargo hold, right? Yeah, like, they're on the cargo yeah, hold. Yeah. There's, like, chickens and, and pigs like running around. And there's, like, real booze down there. There's I remember that. Yeah. I remember that for some reason. <laughs> I thought this episode was really dumb. I liked it. it really? Was, it was cute. 
It was a cute episode. I'm shocked. It was. This a is cute another one episode. that I, I, I hate when they show like these Earth colonies that are all backwards that are out in space somewhere. And to me, I guess I just really love Firefly, so it reminds me of like the outer rim planets in Firefly that yeah. are all like fucking backwoods. Well, it works in Firefly because society because has regressed. Way, yeah, you're yeah. right. You're right. You're right. But we have this advanced society. I don't know. I, I didn't. I can't say that I barely remember like the story arc in it. I just remember liking a lot of the little characters, you know, like mm. that main dude that was like was real drunk all the time. Yeah, that was really drunk all the time. It's just because you watch this drunk and you're like, oh, that guy's <laughs> like me. <laughs> no, it's not. Um, I just thought it was cute. I didn't think that it was consequential in any way. Like, I didn't think that it was an important episode. I just thought it was cute. It was one of the less annoying, like, offshoot episodes that was, like, that had no impact on the series, basically. Wow. It's so interesting that that we have, like, the exact opposite reactions to a yeah. lot of these episodes. Yeah, because that's how, you know, like, those Sherlock episodes are kind of like that. It has no real impact on the series, I feel like, but I just don't care for them at all. Yeah. Like, well, there's so many episodes of the show that have no impact. That was yeah. actually, like, part of the, the like, Gene Roddenberry's Bible for the show was that everything goes back to normal at the end of the episode. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all right, next we have Manhunt, episode 19. Waxana Troy arrives on the Enterprise intent on finding a husband. Oh, that was funny. Yeah. She's, she's super great. hitting on Riker, right? She's hitting on everyone. Picard, yeah. for sure. Picard, right, right. Well, she wasn't necessarily hitting on Riker. She's trying to get Troy to hit on Riker. So this is Troy's mom. Right. Played by Majel Barrett. Who, who was awesome. Who's the voice She's the of voice the of the Enterprise. On yeah. every incarnation of Star Trek in, up through the first J.J. Abrams movie. She passed away after that one. She was also married to Gene Roddenberry, and she played Nurse Chapel on the original series. Oh, shit. Yeah. She was all up in it. She is Star Trek royalty. That's awesome. She is. She's legit. That's awesome. Well, she's hilarious. Yeah. I love her character. She's so funny. I hope that I'm, like, that, like, vivacious when I'm older. And she's you know? pretty sexy. She's hot, and she Oh, man. She As Nurse Chapel, she, she is so hot she on wants, the original series. She wants to bang. And, uh... You know. And she wants everyone else to want to bang and also. And she wants everyone else to be on board with that, you know? Yeah. And I think that's cool. This um, is where She's I... super obnoxious and she won't get out of her daughter's life. And I understand how annoying that is. But yeah. like, not nothing against you, Mom. Like, you're fine. But I'm just saying, um, you know. This is uh, where I have to fix a mistake I made last time where I said that um, Mick Fleetwood was in an episode of Star Trek. It's this one. Oh, it's Manhunt. Oh, you were wrong. I was you wrong. You were a bad fan. Yeah, I was thinking that the two uh, delegates that were at each other's throats in season one. In the oops, I was, the sorry, wrong species In the sorry, wrong one. species episode. I was thinking that that was uh, these weird fish head aliens, but it's not. It's this episode with those fish head aliens. <laughs> the Antidians, I think. Uh, so yeah, Mick Fleetwood is like hidden in heavy makeup in that episode. Um, almost all of the... Walks on a Troy episodes are really fun. There's They're only super one. Fun. There's They're... only one I don't like. Which one? I don't know if you've seen it yet, so I don't want to say anything. Oh, okay, never mind. Because uh, I've enjoyed all of them. She's really funny. Yeah, she's just so vivacious. She's so annoying, and but like in a really funny way. Like yeah. I'm not annoyed by her, but I can just see like her being this overbearing mother in so many ways. Like, yeah. And it, it really kind of expands trying upon... Trying to marry off her daughter. And, like, <laughs> you know, just it's just super funny. It expands upon Troy's empathic ability because yeah. you don't really understand you don't really get a clear sense of that where a full beta a betazoid can like they can communicate with each other in their minds right. uh and like troy has like a looser sense of other people's emotions because 
Isn't she, she only half? She's half Betazoid, yeah. yeah. Her dad is not a Betazoid. But I think that full Betazoids are actually just fully telepathic as yeah. well. And Troy can be telepathic with another Betazoid, but not with a human because right. she's only half. I think that's the way it works. Th- that's how I understand it, but I could be wrong. Yeah. Oh, shit. This is a good one. Uh, episode 20, The Emissary. It's funny that there's an episode of, of Next Generation called The Emissary because that is like very heavily used in Deep Space Nine, but I won't talk about that because you haven't seen it. The Emissary, this is the one where we meet Kalar. This is uh, Worf's mate. Oh, Where she yeah. shows up. She's half human. Yeah. Um, and because Worf was raised by humans, they they met when they were younger. They had a relationship that isn't too well-defined when they were younger. Their tension is so sexy. So tense. Oh. But, I mean, she is, like, the one that got away, I think, for yeah. Worf. Uh, and and I think vice versa as well. They they really don't love they, each other. Don't they have sex? Oh, they and totally then, bang. And then, yeah. and then he's like, "All right, we got to get married now." And she's yes. like, "No, dude." <laughs> yeah, uh, it really shows the divide between, right. uh, like, I mean, being Jewish. This resonated with me because they're both Klingon, but Kalar does not prescribe to the. Uh, beliefs of right. being a Klingon. She's she's like a, a cultural Jew, but she's not religious. You right, know? right. Um, which is me. You know, that's how. I, so I really related to her character. Where Worf is like, well, we did this, so now, like, we we slept together, so now we are mates. We are yeah. married for life. And she, she's like, no, I just wanted to do you. <laughs> yeah, you know, I was just all turned on I by being on, like yeah. fighting on the holodeck, and I yeah. just wanted to bone. So yeah, uh, she's, she's a, like, did you not? Did that not? <laughs> yeah, and she's a great foil for Worf because she's so strong. Uh, I mean, there's, there's a lot of cool stuff that happens in the episode also where she shows up in a photon torpedo tube because she's an ambassador and it's like this tense political thing that's going on. So they smuggle her to the Enterprise in a torpedo yeah, tube. Yeah, because she's trying to be cool and like actually. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The B story on this was there's a ship of Klingons who were somehow uh, like frozen in time. So they come back now when the war is over, but they can't get in touch with them, so they can't tell them the war is over. So whenever they see a Federation ship, they're going to try to blow it up. Oh, right. I remember that. Yeah, Yeah. so the way that they get over that at the end is Worf and Kalar pretend to be in charge of the Federation ship, in charge of the Enterprise, and they get all dressed up in full Klingon gear. And they're like, yeah, we took over. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So as far as I know, this is when... Alexander is conceived. Yeah. Uh, it yeah. has to be. I mean, it's I the only thing that so. makes sense. I think so. That's, I don't think they yeah. saw each other after Yeah, because she comes back the next season with Worf's kid. Right. It doesn't really make sense because oh, he's, he's like so three cute. years old. But I think Klingons age faster through the first mm-hmm. – uh, they, they, they get to teenagehood very quickly. And then they, they their aging slows down right. as they get older. Uh, but they they do age differently than humans. So when he shows up and he looks three, he's actually like a year or two old or something. Right. Uh, he's so such an angry kid. Their copulation in this episode will produce Alexander. Yeah. Such a funny name for a Klingon kid, and I'm sure frustrated. But she's half human. She's half human, and she yeah. raised him basically as a human. Right. Which causes endless tension between Worf and Alexander. Yeah, because Worf is always like, "That's not how Klingons do things," and yeah. Alexander's like, "Who gives a shit, man?" Like- Worf is always trying to be more Klingon. <laughs> yeah. You know, and Kalar's always trying to yeah. find the balance between her human and Klingon half. Right. Uh, and Susie Plakeson is just such a great actress. And I mean, so I, yeah, I didn't even I realize no that that was this season. I had no idea that she had been this, in other parts of the series. Yeah. 
Well, we're already up to episode 21, and the show is still going very strong. Uh, peak performance, episode 21. When the Borg, with the Borg threat in mind, Starfleet stages a war game simulation pitting Captain Picard and the Enterprise against Commander Riker and the 80-year-old starship Hathaway. However, when the Ferengi suddenly attack, the Enterprise is crippled, forcing Picard into a seemingly no-win situation. I remember liking this one. I don't remember too many of the details, but I remember that it was a lot of fun. Uh, that they have, like, the ship is set into war game mode, so uh, they're, like, shooting all these, like, fake lasers at each other um, or, like, holographic lasers at right. each other. Right, okay, yeah. And I, I remember something involving trickery to get them out of the situation with the Ferengi at the end. I hate the Ferengi. Yeah. <laughs> they get better. Yeah. So I hear. Yeah. Uh, so I hear John and Naomi are always like, just wait till Deep Space Nine. Like, or maybe it's not that. I don't <laughs> no, know. it's Deep Space Nine. Okay. I like the first half of this episode better than the second because I like that there were no stakes in the first half. Right. That, that it's a game. Yeah. I think that that's something that shows should do more often where yeah. you're just, just doing fun something episode fun. episode where they're just doing cool things. Yeah. They don't need to be in peril all the time. Yeah. Uh, so I enjoyed that aspect of it. This also reminds me that the Borg were foreshadowed in season one. Really? In the finale when? of season one. How so? Do you remember the episode where there was the three people that were frozen that came back and they discovered the Romulans? Yes. Uh, they talk about their like Federation bases that had been destroyed and kind of hinting that maybe the Romulans did it. But then the Romulans, I think, mentioned that they had stations that were destroyed. So there's this kind of idea that maybe it was the wow, Borg. Oh, I guess yeah. I just like glossed I, over that. I in hope my I'm head. saying this all right. I think that that is Tell true. Tell us at home in the comments, you guys. Uh, and I think that maybe like the Borg were like checking us out, but then when when we got shot across the galaxy and they saw us for real, that's when they realized that we were a real threat. Right. Or not a threat, but something worth uh, worth destroying. assimilating because yeah. we're really not a threat <laughs> to them. Uh, but they did want to. They did realize at that point in the show that they needed another big bad because the Frangie weren't working out. They were going to bring the Romulans back, but they wanted something new. Right. So they foreshadowed something I else. I liked the Borg. Yeah. I like the Borg. Um, the Romulans were cool, but I just never felt like a threat there. I never even remotely felt a threat with the, the, with the with Ferengi because yeah. they're just so hokey. But the, the Borg are the Borg scary. Is the Borg are scary. Yeah. yeah the threat with the Borg is pretty intense. Yeah. I like it a lot. Yeah. Good job. I forgot that this season was cut short and we're actually at the last episode. What? So I, I'm going to take back what I said earlier about how the season fell apart at the end because no, it's really just the last not, episode, I guess. Because I think that they all just got a lot better. Yeah, I mean, we I guess they had the scripts and uh, th th this is the one episode they didn't have a script for before so the writer's strike. So is this strike. the clip show? Mm -hmm. I didn't watch it. That's okay. I, I, I watched the first like few minutes of it, realized it was a clip show, and I shut that shit down. Yeah. I don't watch those. I hate That's wise. <laughs> yeah, they had to fill an hour of television. They didn't have a writer. Yeah. They weren't allowed to have a writer because yeah. of the writer's strike. So what they did is they have Jordy and Riker go to a planet. Riker gets bit by some weird space it, like insect or, or animal or something, and then he's dying, and they have to find a way to fix him. But while he's dying, he has all these visions of things that have happened to him How embarrassing. in the last two years, which How is the first two seasons of the show. And of course, it doesn't work because they don't show anything from his past because they didn't have anyone to write anything else. Yeah. So it's like a framing for a clip episode that's kind of lame, and it's just real dumb. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a low point. 
Yeah. And I don't I don't blame them, you know. No, no, not at all. But it doesn't mean I have to watch it and enjoy it. Like it was garbage, you know. I I I just didn't care. But um but the rest of the season, all in all, I give it, you know, four stars. There were some really good episodes in it. Yeah. Um, I give it three and a half out of five. Yeah, maybe yeah. Yeah, I'd say that's saving some room. I don't want to give it too much of a rave review. It was good, especially compared to the first season. But this, the next episode that you and I have together, we're going to get into some shit because every, almost every episode in that season is just gold. Yeah. I'm really excited about that. Um, But yeah, um, my love for Star Trek really, really started getting solidified this season, especially towards the end of it. Um. Uh, you know, I, I think I need to go back and watch a lot of these episodes now, though, like because it. like maybe drink less. I, maybe well, no, it was a lot of the There's smoking the, the pot. Weed. Yeah, yeah like less. yeah, um, which I haven't really been doing as much lately. So I think that's why I'm like, dude, what the hell? Why don't I remember any of this? Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's gonna be great. Well, we made it. We made it through another we season. We made it through another season, and I want the folks at home to tell us what they think about season. Three, or season, season two, two, rather. Yeah, you can find me on um, Twitter at Sci-Fi Project, and yeah. you are Audrey the Great, right? Yeah, don't don't tweet me. You could tweet, oh, tweet Jesse, Audrey too, because uh, 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 you know. Yeah, if you want to join in the conversation, please do. Yeah, let us know what you think about season two, because uh, as far as I'm concerned, three and a half stars. They were really getting their footing, especially towards the end. Yeah, it's gonna be season three. So I'm really excited about yeah, it. Yeah, uh, Also, you can go to jessemercury.com. Uh, I've started putting up some bios of the people I have on the show. Um, not Audrey yet because Audrey's still putting together her whole new personality yeah. for Bonnie Quest, yeah. her whole new project stuff. Stay tuned for Bonnie Quest. Yeah, but Audrey's going to be back many times. So yeah. we'll, no rush we'll get her up there eventually. But if you want to listen to the music from my other guests, Johnny Unicorn, Bart McGuire, I've put up links to their music and wrote a little bit about what they do. Um so you can check that out there. We got to play some music. Uh, I forgot to figure this out with you beforehand. So what do you want to do? Well, since since you and I don't have anything prepared, I'll I'll just I'll serenade you. Yeah, I want to hear a song. Uh, I could play SETI Alpha Five, which is based off of Star Trek II: The Wrath of Khan. So on topic. I could also play uh, Moons of Jupiter, which is that original song I played you once before about that guy building himself a spaceship to die in space. Mm-hmm. What do you want to do? What do you want to hear? I want to hear Moons of Jupiter. Okay. Yeah. So this is a song that I have not yet recorded that will be on the... Well, I don't even know if it's going to be on the sci-fi album or not, but it's a sci-fi song that I wrote years sci-fi ago. sci-fi B-side. Yeah. <laughs> I'd love to put it on the album. It's, I'm just trying to find... Figure out what to do with it because I just love it so much as it is acoustic. I have an idea of, a, of an arrangement, but I kind of want to do... I'm t- what am I talking about? This is a sci-fi song that I wrote. Just play the song, man. Yeah. Play the song, Mercury.
to the skyward haze, my vision towards supernova's gaze, ignition as I leave this world behind. A I swear I see our old house Finally spaceward bound I'm flying From dead worlds and crowds Retiring The orb that blinks to me A teardrop Wound towards the inky depths I speed up My aging hands wake I'm floating Weightlessly towards shapes Foreboding And our moons of Jupiter are You fill my every dream Towards the stars I go I'm flying This trip should have been ours But you denied me lovely thank you i really love that song tell us about it oh man that one got i was like no i gotta come back to reality now i was like in that guys my eyes were closed i was no i was going on that journey i was i was lost in it oh man you want to hear the story this is a a very personal story yeah i would love to hear it i could tell that there's something behind that there yeah tell us uh there was this girl that Kind of became my my great white rhino. Mm, your your white your great white buffalo. Yeah, isn't it white buffalo from uh, Hot, Hot Tub, Tub Time, Time Machine. Machine? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Whatever great white creature it is, it's buffalo. Well, in either case, it doesn't matter. The uh, one that uh, the one that got away. She got away. Timing never worked out, um, in large part because I was dumb and made stupid choices and didn't treat her well. You know, I. I did some things that were not polite. And I, it's because I was scared and pushed her away. I wanted to write a song to express the feeling of having lost her. And the story that I made up was this man who's turning 100 years old. And it's always been his dream to die in space. 
so he's always wanted to leave Earth on his 100th birthday. So when he's around like 60 or 70 year old, years old, he starts building a spaceship to fulfill this dream. Uh, but it's been his dream since he was like 20. Um, and he met this woman. They fell in love. They get married. They have kids. And she's always known this thing about him that he always wants to die in space. You know, that's been his life's dream. But she never really takes him that seriously. She just thinks it's this kind of cute quirk. But then when he, you know, they've been together for like 30 or 40 years when he starts to build the ship. And she's supportive because she loves him and she's supportive of him. But eventually realizes that he does intend to leave Earth and die in space. She never really believed him. You know, it's like those couples that get together and one of them wants kids and the other doesn't. And, and it's so far in the future that you yes. don't really think of it as a reality. Exactly. So so she doesn't really consider it as real until this point. And then she st- finally says to him, like, like, I'm not going with you, you know? Like, we have kids, we have grandkids. I'm not leaving. Like, this is my home. This is my, my planet. And I want to be here. And he can't change course, you know? This has been his course for m- mostly his entire life. So he leaves. They get they get divorced. Uh, it ends their marriage, and um, they've been divorced for probably ten or fifteen years before he leaves. Uh, and it causes devastation in the family. It, it causes him to um, have a poor relationship with his daughter. This is this whole backstory I made up for this song. The song itself is his journey as he leaves, and his only companion is the artificial intelligence that he's built into the ship, and he's flying past all of the celestial bodies in our solar system and as he passes the moons of Jupiter and he's always been obsessed with Ganymede in particular he's always wanted to see Ganymede and he's there and he's like in the cockpit of his ship and he's seeing uh, the like Io is rising behind Ganymede as he is flying past Jupiter and it's the most beautiful thing he's ever seen and he just breaks down into tears because he realizes that it doesn't matter that the thing that mattered was this woman and he didn't see that in time and now she's lost. So he just kind of flies out into the blackness of space all alone and, and sad. And then I don't know what happens to him next. That's, that's the end of the story. It's so sad. Yeah. I, I had the opportunity to play that song for the girl. Uh, Did you do it? Yeah, I played it for her. We, I hadn't seen her in a long time. We met up at a bar. I still live in San Diego. We met up one day, and um, a lot of time had passed. Things had changed significantly, and we were we had a few drinks. We ended up going back to my place. I played her the song. I told her it was about her. Um, we ended up like making out. She spent the night. I mean, we didn't go past making out, but right. uh, she left the next day and never returned my calls. So, Loving someone's hard. It's really difficult to so, do. It's a constant, like, yeah, checking of how open you are. Yeah, you which is apparently not at all. Um, yeah. Well, at least back in the day when I was like, you know, I must have been twenty three. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's it's tough. It's tough opening yourself up to somebody like that and being vulnerable. But uh, yeah, you know, I might never be ready for it. But you know. I'm but you probably it. will. <laughs> I don't know. Well, we, we've accomplished what we set out to do. We made it through season two of Star Trek The Next Generation. Hopefully some uh, insightful, revealing commentary yeah. of how we felt about the episodes. Um, and we'll 
we'll be doing this again for season three. Yeah, just yeah. a few weeks. Yeah. Um, so stay tuned, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. It's going to be a good one. Season three. Season three. Pew, pew, Star pew. Trek. The Lasers. Next Generation on Lasers. Sci-Fi with Jesse Marie. Lasers. <laughs> <laughs>